Welcome to Breakfast with Karen, sponsored by Life Changing Services, Mothers Who Know. I am the parent support specialist for Life Changing Services and have been for years. I don't do that because I have some amazing degree that qualifies me to do wonderful things like coach women and support people who are in an amazing place of growth and also trauma. I do that because I'm just a mom who knows what a mess is and I also have learned and have a testimony that our message that God is trying to send us and help us uh, to find him with is in that mess and that there's always a miracle in the mess when we believe that it's coming and make evidence of things along the way. I'm the founder and director of Mothers Who Know and Mom Power, which is a training just as the parent support specialist. I'd like to just promote this book. Uh, it's like Dragons Did They Fight by Maurice Harker. And I wrote the parent section of this book. And also, I wrote this book, Mama Trauma, Now What? And the reason I wrote this is because I do believe mamas have trauma. And I think the only way that we can heal that trauma and really be a vessel that makes a difference at our house when people are wounded and we are feeling such incredible pressings upon our mother heart because of those wounds that we are witnessing and trying to find resources for and support, uh, that through Christ we find healing, but it's so hard to find Christ without some awareness of how you support a loved one in the best way when you have feelings of mama drama. So anyway, I just want you to be aware of those two books before I go on and forget to tell you about the important information in those that could serve you in your life. All right, so this is a three-week seminar series. This is week one, and I'm so excited because between our eight-week sessions of Mom Power Training, we have a three-week webinar series, and it's just the theme is Messages of Hope because we're all looking for hope and healing in our lives because I have, a, I have a mess at my house and so do you. And if you say you don't have one, I won't believe you. I, I know you do and I know that I do and I think we all have something in our lives that we think that's something I don't want everyone to see because I'm not quite sure how to manage it myself. So I just want to invite you to attend these three weeks. Today our message is big. It's so important. It's the things I personally have learned about what a mother who know knows. Next week, uh, our message of hope will be given by Kelly Webster, wonderful friend of mine with a lot of living this message, and uh, Julie Grange on the 20th is going to give a presentation about how we can feel better about our life but it's not but it has a lot to do with um, how we manage our life and she's going to teach us some tools about that so good all right so our next eight week session starts on august 27th and in order to 
register for this webinar series, you can share by inviting your friends to go to mompowertraining.com and it'll take them right to the registration page for this webinar and information about joining our Mom Power Training. So mompowertraining.com is what you would just send a friend if you wanted to invite them. And thank you for inviting your friends. Okay, Mom Power. Tools and principles to find ongoing courage and peace as a mom. Amidst life challenges, we can stand in any storm with the Savior by our side. The storms we face are real and they're big and we know that they're meant to be there because the prophets have taught us, the scriptures teach us that in the last days, things are gonna get stormy and that the, the storms we face aren't for wimpy people. They, they take a lot of courage. So today's Breakfast with Karen, the topic is what mothers who know, know. I'm a mother of five children and 10 grandchildren. Whenever I say that out loud, I just can't believe I have 10 grandchildren. I always tease my husband whenever we're talking about our family. I'll say, can you believe Kent has 10 grandchildren now? Just because I think I can't believe I have 10 grandchildren. So I always tease like he's the one with 10 grandchildren. That's crazy, right? In light of this message, what do mothers who know know? Sister Beck, Sister Julie Beck coined the phrase mothers who know when she gave a talk entitled Mothers Who Know. And you might, me, might remember that talk that it caused a lot of controversy because she really spoke a woman's divine purpose. She uh, coined this phrase and I didn't really know that until one day I was sitting around a conference table I was introducing myself to a bunch of important people in suits and I was supposed to stand up at this conference table, the biggest conference table I'd ever sat at, and tell everybody who I was. And I stood up and I knew I had come from a place of being a complete victim and so confused in my life by all of the things that I had not planned on happening, because I tried really hard to prevent those things from happening, and they just happened anyway. Even things that I didn't try to prevent happened. I didn't even know those things existed. Like, there it is, in my lap. And I thought, I don't know how to um, how to navigate this. I don't know how to go through such big storms and hard things and feel peaceful. I only feel tormented in my mind. And my thoughts were so full of discomfort about people in my life, about the situations in my life, about myself, and how much better I should be. And if I could be better or would have been better that our family would not have these wounds because I'm the mother. So I just became extremely debilitated and kind of felt like I was just sitting down. If you liken our lives to a battlefield, I felt like I just laid down on the field and said, well, if this is what doing the right thing looks like when this kind of stuff happens, then I think I need to lay down for a while. 
because I don't think I can bite. I remember um, standing up at that conference table because when I did, I had become this woman who was in this victim place who now had grown to a place where I was still terrified and I had a lot of fear, but it wasn't a fear of myself or the people that I loved and their wounds anymore. It was a fear of, of not standing strong in a storm and being connected with who I knew God wanted me to be for myself first and for the people that I loved because he needed me. He sent me with gifts so that I could better than anyone else support his work and train and teach my children that wounds are required in a war and that war requires battle. And when you go to battle, you will be wounded. And in our day, the thing that I'm trying to speak, speak the loudest is that I am a mother who knows. And that's what I stood and said at this table. And it was the first time I'd ever said that. I just said, I'm Karen Broadhead and I am a mother who knows. And then I went on to say other things and sat down. But as soon as I sat down, the spirit flooded into my mind and asked me a question. And the question was, did you just hear what you said? And I knew exactly that the spirit was referring to, I am a mother who knows. And that led to me uh, creating this Mothers Who Know organization and then creating a training called Mom Power because I think this message of women understanding what a mother who know knows is crit critical. So one of the things that I love to consider is the mothers of the sons of human. I love to consider how did they teach their sons and their daughters? Imagine what their daughters must have been like. How did they teach their children to do such courageous, devoted, um, sacrificing and um, dutiful things with such courage? How did they do that? And how did they do that, sending them into a physical war where they could literally receive so many wounds? Um, how did they do that? But I like to think about the, who they were, what they knew, and how they knew that. And so when you consider the Mothers of the Sons of Helaman, and you just read through those chapters that talk all about uh, before the war chapters, before Alma 43, um, we read all about the uh, just the conversion of the Lamanite people who became the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. It talks about how they, these women had overcome their false beliefs about what's really going on. They had found and discovered that what they believed was true for so long wasn't. And they knew it so well that they could stand at a table in a big room and say, I am a mother who knows. That they would be bold enough 
to, in their actions, to teach truth about identity and purpose and how divine that is. But they, be, they became so committed and just dutifully passionate about promises and those promises of taking Christ's name upon them and what kind of people that required them to be and what those promises meant. And they, had, um, they wanted his spirit to be with them all the time, just like we do. And uh, what they did to keep his commandments, that they taught their children that, that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. And through their example, because to keep his commandments, they had to bury their weapons. They buried the things that they used to defend themselves because that's what they did. Uh, they buried the things that um, weren't serving them because they now they knew the truth and they were going to keep God's commandments. And through their example of um, sacrificing so much, these mothers, if you can imagine those mothers and their children as they their fathers and older sons went to war to face the Lamanites, and they literally knew so strongly that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them, not just from death, but in death, that they would be delivered, even in death. And after that event where the they came upon the Nephites, the Lamanites came upon the Nephites to destroy them, and they knelt down prostrate and laid on the ground and just submitted willfully to being delivered because they wouldn't break promises. Imagine the courage that would have taken for a woman who knows, I have the most cool husband with the coolest muscles and the best heart who now loves God and he's cooler than ever. And we are teaching our family and committed to follow Christ because now we know who he is and what he asks of us. And when she said goodbye to her husband, knowing that he was going before the, she knew and he knew exactly what the Lamanites were like when they came to battle because they were Lamanites who had done that very thing. So she knew when you have no weapons, you will die. She knew that. And so did her children. So when they all went out there and thousands of them died, um, not only must they have had so much commitment to putting away their false ideas and knowing what it was like uh, to be delivered, not from death, but in death, that is what caused these young men, I'm sure, part of what caused when they realized we're in the land of Jerushan and our fathers are about ready to, to unbury their weapons because they're noticing the burden that these people of Elma are having because of them and their sons step up, and then Helaman, their captain, notices, how are these boys so cool? I've never seen boys like this. And they tell him, we are so cool, 
and rehearsed unto him all the things that their mothers knew, we are so cool because our mothers taught us that if we did not doubt, God would deliver us. And so we know how to obey because we know what promises are and we know why we are fighting. And we understand that God will be with us whether we are delivered in in death or delivered by not being killed in our, in this battle but we do not fear it's amazing so how does that relate to me how does that relate to us as women how can we be mothers who know and what does a mothers who know know so i could go on all day about what mothers who know know Sister Beck, in that talk that she gave, uh, Mothers You Know, she said, Who will prepare this righteous generation of sons and daughters, women who know and love the Lord, and bear testimony of him, women who are strong and immovable, and who do not give up during difficulty and discouraging times? So these are five things that I want you to know that I think women know. If you're a mother who knows, you know this. And I want to highlight that these are truths that we testify of and teach around in our mom power training, as well as our Eternal Warriors courses through Life Changing Services. So mothers who know, know their divine identity and purpose. They know how to protect themselves from Satan's lies so they can defend their truth how to claim the battlefield of their heart and mind to keep the spirit. Fourth, mothers who know, know there's only one Savior. He cares for and saves us in our messes. And mothers who know, know their divine purpose is just for God's work. Now, I just want to focus on each one of those one at a time. So number one, mothers who know, know. I know my divine identity and purpose. Sister Burton says, you have been sent to earth because of who you are and what you have been prepared to do. Mormon boldly de declared, behold, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He knew who he was and was not distracted by the evil that surrounded him. In fact, he considered his calling to be a gift. Think what a blessing it is to be called to give our gift of daily discipleship to the Lord, declaring in word and deed, Behold, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. So there's something so important to remember, and it is that in 1 Nephi, we learn that we are to have joy. And in the New Testament, in John, 10.10, the Savior teaches us that he has come. His purpose is to offer us and to give us a life. So I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. He says to us that I am the way that you can feel joy in a mortal existence and the only way that you'll be able to stay focused and peaceful and claim an abundant life is if you will also understand what I'm going to warn you about. And in the same verse, 
he warns all of us about our enemy, the adversary, Satan, the father of all lies, and says, But the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so that his purpose literally is to steal, kill, and destroy our joy, that abundant life that Christ offers us through his atonement and what he did for us. And so if we understand that, how can I be in a storm? What I need to know is that unless I can remember who I am and whose I am, and not allow my confidence to be affected because of the messes in my life, um, then I could actually show up in my divine truth so that I'm available even as I stir this soup that is my family and my life, even as I'm stirring that soup that I try to keep moving. And the last thing I want is for anyone to find out what's really in my soup. If I don't understand. If I'm in mortality, the very fact that I have a Savior as part of being successful in Heavenly Father's plan is evidence that I'm supposed to have weird things in my soup. I'm supposed to have a mess in my life because Christ said, I've come to give you a life and to give it abundantly, but you are in a mess and your soup will always have something in it that's kind of funny smelling. That you're not quite sure um, how to make that taste better, but you will keep stirring it because it is your stewardship. And you will learn over time that it's in sharing your soup, in sharing your soup with other people and letting them see, this is, uh, guess what? I'm living the dream because I'm a mother with a mess. That's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Because when I think vertically under Heavenly Father's plan, um, it requires me to remember that Heavenly Father has a great plan of happiness and protection. And that that plan works. And that I work that plan through the Savior. And the only way I can be stirring this soup and watching this mess and experiencing all the emotions that come from those things in my temporal life is to not shut off that vertical view. I have to be open vertically, considering my life and the abundance Christ offers me under Heavenly Father's plan to work that plan. And that even in a mess, even with a jumble of stuff in a pot that I have no idea what to do with, but it's my job to stir it <laughs> and, to, and to, you know, make it palatable uh, because that's what we stir. It's so important for me to know that I can do that with Christ's help. The other thing that mothers who know know is how to protect ourselves from Satan's lies so that I can defend my truth. So I know how to protect myself from Satan's lies so I can defend my truth. In 2 Timothy, we learn that our spirit, who we are, our divine identity, um, literally 
was given to us and we are with that vertical perspective we are spiritual women having a mortal experience full of power and love and a sound mind that's who we are and if i allow the see the thief to steal my identity so that i forget who i am and whose i am and i'm focused temporally so temporally on the mess that i have no no remembrance of i know whose i am and who i am and that god is helping me i'm not alone then i can get so caught up in fear and the adversary wants us in fear he wants us to feel isolated alone and like we are being somehow betrayed in our lives because of our messes and uh, people the way that they the way that we navigate our own personal agency and the way other people do the same thing that causes all the messes but i was not sent to have a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind elder jeffrey r holland says this when it comes to defending our truth he teaches us the difference between the influence of satan and answers from god he says who is it that whispers lies so subtly in our ears you and i both know who does this it is the father of all lies it is lucifer our common enemy we have learned so much and are talking more about the fact that at the adversary tries to use the things that are happening in our life to distract us from what our truth uh, our divine identity but we need to know what our truth sounds like and we need to know that the father of all lies lies to us and so mothers who know know that not every voice in their head is a trusted voice when i was in that place where i felt like such a victim i was so tormented in my mind about how terrible i was how broken my family was how i was not the person who was to be here because i was failing um, and how people in my life were my biggest enemy and i just think it's so significant to understand that i know that whatever i hear in my voice that sounds like something i would never say out loud to anybody else or especially like to a little child if it ever sounds like you know what you should do or you know what you don't do or you know who you are or you're so pathetic you're that was ridiculous you're such an idiot uh you're so fat you're not acceptable why did you do that don't go do that that's way uncomfortable just sit there and don't do anything sit down and just give in to this mood that you're in and become numb and kind of all droned up with your eyes open but you're asleep that's what the adversary wants us to feel isolated as we walk through our lives in this fog 
where we are continually bombarded with the torment of his lies in our head, trusting that voice because it sounds like our head. So that changed my life. It was so liberating for me to know not every voice in my head was a trusted voice. Elder Clevengott says this about how to defend our truth and about the reality of Satan's lies. He says, um, I want you to notice as I read this, that he says this about good women with purpose who want to be aligned in their righteousness and their covenants and their promises, just like the mothers of the sons of Helaman. But because maybe we aren't fully aware of the spiritual battle we're in, we allow the adversary to steal so much of our confidence so that our purpose is destroyed. He says, whenever the adversary cannot persuade imperfect yet striving saints such as you to abandon your belief in a personal and loving God, he employs a vicious campaign to put as much distance as possible between you and God. So that's exactly what the enemy knows about you and about me is that I am not going to convince this girl to just abandon God and do really weird things. Um, but I do know how to affect her, her beliefs and her identity and how she feels in her life and then have her um, have that story become her truth. So what he does to create distance between me and God so that I can't claim that abundant life that I, we talked about earlier, the adversary knows that faith in Christ, the kind of faith that provides a steady stream of tender mercies and even mighty miracles, goes hand in hand with the personal confidence that you are striving to choose the right. Okay. This is why I was in such a terrible victim mode is I thought, look at me, I'm trying to choose the right, I'm checking all the right boxes, and now my confidence is at zero because it feels like all these messes are, messes are proof that checking boxes don't matter. I remember thinking that and thinking, who lied to me? I thought I was going to avoid these or be warned of things or be able to understand or save something before it happened. I just thought I could do that because I was checking all these boxes. But he points out that um, we need faith that produces a steady stream of tender mercies, even miracle miracles, and that that goes hand in hand with a personal confidence that you are striving to choose the right. So when I stood up at that table and said, I am a mother who knows, I had learned that messes mean miracles. Messes produce a message that is the best message you've ever gotten in your life. Is it incredibly arduous and stretchy and muscle building for you to stand in a mess and claim an abundant life? and find peace through the Savior? Oh yeah. Yeah, Satan makes it seem so much easier to just believe that those boxes didn't work and that this truth is a lie and that you have no confidence because the evidence now shows that 
you can't confidently approach God and ask for his help because you have checked all those boxes for how long now? Well, look at this. That's where I was in my mode of questioning my testimony and my faith and my identity. And oh, it was so painful. And I know that we all have times in our lives that feel like this and work with so many women over the years who understand this battle. That when a mess shows up that's big, Satan will be right there to whisper the lie that overwhelms our confidence. He says, um, because Satan knows that we that it takes personal confidence, um, that we are striving to choose what's, what's right in the right way and that we're getting the blessings from it, he knows that. For this reason, he will seek access to your heart to tell you lies. Lies that Heavenly Father is disappointed in you that the atonement is beyond your reach, that there is no point in even trying, that everyone else is better than you, that you are unworthy, and a thousand variations of that same evil theme. As long as you allow these voices, these uh, voices that are in our head that are not trusted, but we think they are because they become this unending, uh, this unending reel in our head that sounds like us and our truth. And it starts when we're just little. As long as we allow these voices to chisel away at our soul, we cannot approach the throne of God with real confidence. Whatever you do, whatever you pray for, whatever hopes for a miracle you may have, there will always be just enough self-doubt chipping away at your faith. Not only your faith in God, but also your confidence in yourself. Living the gospel in this manner is no fun, nor is it very healthy. Amen. Above all, it is completely unnecessary. The decision to change is yours and yours alone. Approaching the throne of God with confidence is the name of the talk by Clevengott, and that resource will come out um, when you receive your email. So it's important to know uh, that we can overcome Satan's lies so that we can stay in our truth. The third thing mothers know, mothers who know, know. I know how to claim the, bat claim the battlefield of my heart and mind and keep the spirit. All right, so Elder Rasband in this last general conference says this, Satan is a subtle snake sneaking into our minds and hearts when we have let our guard down. Faced a disappointment or lost hope. It's so important for us to remember that um, it's letting our guard down and forgetting what the real battle is that makes it so that we are unable to have to have any power. Uh, we can feel so powerless because we think that uh, there's nothing I can do to change that or help that. It will never get better because it's been this long. Or because I, it's not my agency over there, but I have to watch it happen, um, I have no power. And the only way I can get better is if that gets better. 
But in our mom power training, we learned that the truth is that I have so much power in my lane, in my agency, where I choose things. And that the battle starts in my mind and in my heart. And if I don't know that my mind or my thoughts are affecting the way I feel about my life, then the adversary will come in at literally an unseen level biochemically and make me feel so uncomfortable in my life that I will do things that actually make me a pawn in his game. Uh, make me a pawn in the attack that he's waging on a loved one that I have. He'll use all of my emotions and my feelings when I'm not able to feel the spirit that are so built up. He'll use those things to convince me that going over there Getting out of your lane and off your field and going over there to swing someone else's sword and hold someone else's shield is most important because we don't want death. And you're the only one that can save that. You're the mother for heaven's sakes. And if I don't know, I have to stay in my lane where I have power and I can hear the spirit. And if I don't understand how to manage my mind and my heart and that that's where the real battle starts. It has nothing to do with what's outside of me in the mess. Nothing. The mess is the evidence that Satan uses to cause the thoughts that lead to my strong feelings that then make me a pawn in his game and make me and people in my life feel so miserable because we're not connected to the spirit. The real battle is to fight to have the love of God in our heart at all times. And to be inspired, like Lehi taught us, to be inspired and stay by the tree and beckon from the tree and to listen to the Spirit tell us what we can do in our own business, in our own lane where we have power so that we can affect change and support change happening rather than slow it down. Oh, I wish I had time to tell you a personal experience that uh, for me was the slap in the face I needed. Sometimes the slap in the face that comes from the spirit is so touching and lovely. And if anyone with flesh ever slapped me in the face like that, I would think that was not okay. But it literally was Karen, I am trying to do my work. It's my glory to bring to pass the success of your family and you. But because um, you're in the way and you don't know that you have power somewhere, but it's not right there, not trying to be in charge of somebody else's agency and their lane and their business. They have to build their own muscles and their own convictions and their own tools that work for them, and so do you. This big. Okay, this scripture is amazing. Listen to this scripture. This is why knowing that my mind, my thoughts, and my heart, my feelings matter. And it doesn't have to do with the mess all around me, but so much to do with the way I think 
or what I think of my mess that is making me miserable. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. So we learn in also in the Doctrine and Covenants that the Lord requires our mind, our heart, and a willing mind. That that's what he requires of us in the last days if we want to be happy and claim abundance in Zion in the last days. That we, he requires our, those things, our mind and our heart, and for us to willingly give it like with our agency. So we are aware, literally aware of our mind and our heart, our feelings and our thoughts. And this is why. It's because um, we know that's where revelation comes from. We know that's where we are directed in the spirit. Um, I will tell you in your mind and your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. Behold, this is the spirit by which Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. We can become so miserable trying to part a sea, trying to change the tide of battle and think we can save that, that we forget that God is the miracle in the storm. He's the guy through the spirit that can show us that watch how I part see but we won't be seeing the little things that he's directing us towards to notice unless we do it on purpose therefore this is thy gift thy gift is to be in control of your mind and your heart and apply unto it and blessed art thou for it shall deliver you out of the hands of your enemies when if it were not so they would slay you and bring your soul to destruction I was completely being slain over and over and over again and feeling like my soul was tormented and in complete destruction because I had no skill, no awareness of what to do with my mind and my heart to manage my battlefield. Number four, the fourth thing we know is I know there is only one savior. He cares for and saves me in my mess. So I know I'm just the mom in a mess. That's who I am. Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm a mom with a mess. I have a really big mess. I'm a mess. My family, we have messes. There's probably a mess in my bathroom and in my kitchen. There's a mess. But I am not judged on my messes. I know my divine identity. I know my purpose. I know how to own my field and understand what my thoughts and my feelings are doing. And I know how to hear in my mind what is true. And I do not allow the tormentor, the liar, the thief to steal my joy so that I cannot stay at the tree. I cannot beckon from the tree. I'm just a hot mess full of emotions that has to go sit on people. Like, that's what I do. That's the way I'm the mother because I think I'm the savior. That was the message I got when he said, Karen, it's my work. You're not the savior. There's only one savior and it's me. It's not you. 
and that he cares and saves me in my mess. He says, I will save you. I know you have a mess. You're supposed to have a mess. That's why I'm here. I'm evidence that you're supposed to be messy. Get over the mess. Just say it. I am a mom with a mess and don't be so afraid of your mess and that if someone sees your mess, that they won't want to play with you anymore. That they're going to judge you. Be more courageous in the last days. Part of our war is to come out with messes so that we can help each other, support each other, and love each other, and help one another feel like the Savior supporting us. Ah, Sister Joan says, if the love we feel for the Savior and what he did for us is greater than the energy we give to weaknesses, self-doubt, or bad habits, then he will help us overcome the things which cause suffering in our lives. He saves us from ourselves. I can't control my mind and my heart by myself. That's literally how big messes get. I need his help. I need him to come save me right inside me. And I need to know what it takes to do that and how to fight to keep the spirit with me. May we as sisters be faithful in Christ. May Christ lift us up and may his sufferings and death and his mercy and long suffering and the hope of his glory and of eternal life rest in our minds forever. As the Savior lifts us to higher ground, we can see more clearly not only who we are, but also that we are closer to him than we ever imagined. So if I know there's only one Savior and the way that I have perspective in this storm and with this mess, and my even though my arm is tired, continually stirring this soup and wondering what ingredient God wants me to put there next, or what I should do in my own business where I have power, because it's so hard to stay right here and not just go and get that. I need to know how to inspire that, how to train that and teach that in the spirit, with the spirit. But if all I'm doing is being enticed by the enemy, I can be such a mess. He is closer than I even imagine, and I fight with and for the Savior. Our Savior is the light and refuge we seek. The last thing that I wanted to share that mothers who know know is if I'm a mother who know, who knows, then I know my divine purpose is to support God's work. I know that every day I wake up and I look like the right side of this warrior woman. Except mine looks a lot more like sweats and Birkenstocks and a t-shirt or sweatshirt and a ponytail with glasses. And it looks like I haven't washed my hair for days. And it looks like I don't know what we're having for dinner. Do we even eat dinner around here? It looks like, um, it looks like I, I don't know what we're doing. But I'll tell you what I know now. It never looks like, it never looks desolate and unarmed. It never looks empty. It looks extremely messy from the outside. And um, as I go find another resource, 
for this mental illness in my family? Or as I go find another um, answer and search for direction in the spirit on how to find that answer for this loved one who um, can't reach a goal, uh, no matter how hard they try, even though they deserve it, they're willing and ready, then one thing I know is that I wear armor. When the adversary and his minions are looking at me, they know I am a woman to be feared. They know that I am a woman who, with my actions, in my sweats and my dirty hair and my glasses and my Birkenstocks, they know she is to be feared because she is connected in the spirit. She has prayed. She has gotten up early today so that she can connect with an inspired source and can align herself with what's really true about her despite her mess and that she can feel honored as God shows her that as she's been stirring herself, her soup for this long, look at that little muscle you've gained in your bicep. It's amazing. I can see it. Can you see it? The only way I would have ever noticed that muscle is if I would put armor on first. So I'm scary and I'm not a mother to be messed with. My divine purpose is to support God's work. And the number one way that women support God's work, if there's a scripture that I could highlight, that I could say, please memorize this scripture and it will change your life and your perspective on what you do in a mess, this is the one. This is it. This is a game-changing scripture. In Doctrine and Covenants 123.17, we learn, when I know that I don't know what to do with that. I'm just the girl in her sweats. I have the same stinky breath that I had yesterday. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with that. What should I do? It's still like that. I thought it was better. Now I can see it's worse. Okay. Uh, so I must not understand timing. And I know that God's in charge of this. And I'm going to let him be in charge of that. But how can I support your work? How do I support your work? Well, I support God's work because I understand that I do it within a battle-tested fortress of my faith. I have tested this again and again and again, that I know what my truth sounds like in my head. I know what my thoughts and my feelings have to do with whether or not I have power. I know that my divine identity is to show up in my purpose courageously, and that is terrifying because everybody's pouting. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Nobody cares if I do this or that. They just want me to leave them alone. So how do I do that in a way? And this is the answer to just cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. Um, to know that I have to have that spirit with me of, to know God's got this. It's not all up to me. I'm supposed to have a mess. Be the mom that claims her mess. Just say, I'm a mom with a mess. I'm living the dream. Moms are supposed to be in a mess. That's true. And if I think something different, I'll be fighting truth. 
The Savior is evidence that I can be a mess. And then there are powerful things to do. But I am a lot less focused on what it is I need to do and far more focused on what I need to be, not do. And then may we stand still, have the courage to stand there and wait. With the utmost assurance, can I visualize what this will look like when it heals? Can I believe in my mind and my heart and even speak that vision out loud to my loved one who thinks all is lost? Can I tell them, I know who you are. I know your divine identity. I know you have a great work to do, and this is part of your training to get there. This is part of the mission training. You are in it. Uh, you came here born to fight and born to fight well. Um, and then to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. His arm has special timing and a far different calendar than mine, that's for sure. Um, and I have to fight to understand that I'm waiting for him to bring salvation to this or healing to this. No matter what we have suffered, he is the source of healing. We must come unto him and allow him to work his miracles. Sisters, we stand with and for our Savior and champion, Jesus Christ, to support his work. And mothers who know know that people sustain wounds. And they know that they can be drawn into fear and misery, complete destruction in their soul. If they focus on the fact that wounds mean failure. Because even back in the day of the Sons of Helaman, um, now they never had fought yet they did not fear death. They had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. And they rehearsed unto me the words of their mothers saying, we do not doubt our mothers knew it. Remember, not one of them was lost, but they were all, every one of them wounded, some of them severely. War is not for wimps. And we are women of this day, mothers who know, know that courage looks like something amazing that is in sweats, that if, this, if the spiritual opposition looked at her, would be like, you're messing with the wrong mom. You're going to be sorry you're trying to mess with me because I am the mother who knows these things. And I know that for my loved one, I know who you are and how you're trying to prevent me from finding my truth and from believing in my loved one. The adversary only wants me to feel miserable and think that my life is my enemy. I am my worst enemy and my loved one who causes me all these feelings is my enemy. There is only one enemy and it is not those things mentioned it is Satan. And if we can keep him as the enemy in our sights that we're trying to take out, not our loved one, we are looking for the message and the miracle. 
and to testify of that with our loved one, fighting to keep the spirit. There's just one more thing I want to read really quick, and it is that by President Nelson, he says, in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. My beloved brothers and sisters, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. And that is when I stood at that table, that's truly what I finally had learned is how to hear my truth, how to stay in my truth, and how to see people in their messes, in their truth, and not allow the enemy to stir all that up and make me think I didn't know anything. So important, we are mother to know, so incredible in our day to be aware of what do mothers who know know? And they know about the battle and they know how to win their own personal battles because as they know how to win their own personal battles, that's what makes them successful in their lives with the way they're supporting their loved ones. It has to start with me first in my business. If I can't manage my heart and mind, then I can't really support people. I'm just going to feel miserable at it. So yes, please join us in mom power training. April, did anybody put anything in the chat that we need to read out loud? I did have a note from one mom who shared that, and I'll just read it. She says, when I was in my brain fog and the I don't care anymore mode, I began to realize it was Satan's lies and I had to rescue my son from bleeding on the ground along with other family members because the more I didn't care, the worse it got. I finally stood up and started kicking Satan in his head to crush him by going to the temple weekly, putting my son into Sunsy Hillman program and then into a rehabilitation program. I got myself into the worth group, kicked my husband out for not taking care of his addictions and getting my girls help. Eight months later, I am in a much better place with no more depression. My son is coming home tomorrow and my husband has moved back into the house. We are far from perfect, but I know if I did not turn myself and my outlook around, this would not be happening and I may not even be here now. Oh, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for entering that. That was so cool. Ah, so good. That's such a beautiful example of taking control of your mind and your heart, remembering your identity, even if you think, is that really true? Just a hope that if I care and I stand up again and I don't believe that this is impossible and that there's no way to fix it, that that's when Christ says, I can save you. And I'll help you be strong enough to do the things it requires to do that. Because the things she mentioned in there, those are really hard things to do. That is some good work. That's some good fighting. I wanted to share one thing I had a note to share was about this topic was I had the opportunity to sit down and visit with Joy Jones. And it was such a cool, cool thing to feel her testimony 
And one of the things she said that she did after mentioning how unfair and diabolical the adversary is in women's lives and how many women felt so isolated and they were in so much pain because they thought um, that the mess in their life was their misery and because it wasn't going away and they would look over at somebody else's life and, who was stirring a pot of soup that smelled amazing. They couldn't see in their soup. They just knew it smelled good. Looks good from over here. And they knew what their soup was really smelling like, what it really looked like. After saying um, and telling me how sad it is to notice that women are losing their belief in their identity because they're so isolated and they're comparing their worst to other people's best and it's so isolating and she talked about how one of the ways that she notices she gets distracted is that she's a doer she says i have a personality of a doer i just do things and i know that as soon as i wake up i'm going to want to go do things that need to be done on my list all my mind will be flooded with all the things that need to be done all the things that i can that i need to be concerned about and working on and usually it looks like a work list and so she told me a tool that she has done on purpose in her life and so much of the battle has to do with what we do on purpose to protect ourselves and defend ourselves um, from darkness so that we can keep the spirit of what's really going on here. She said, I lay in my bed and before I get out of bed, I think about the pre-existence. I picture what I must have looked like there and what I did there. Maybe what my duty was or my mission or my job. Maybe the kind of people that I had stewardship with or even she just said she really considers Heavenly Father's plan, why he created a plan. And then she, after she visualizes that and thinks about it and comes up with some clear thoughts about the pre-existence, she thinks about this mortal life and what she's doing here. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing here? What's important here? Because she said, because I'm a doer, I forget important. What's really important? I just want to go do stuff that looks like that needs to be checked off. And so she said, she tries to consider why, why she's here, what she's doing here. And then the third thing she does before she lets herself get out of bed is to imagine in her mind the, the eternities and the promises that God's given us. And it isn't until she takes into consideration the whole picture of why really what we say in mom power is why she fights, why she doesn't give up. That's what she's doing. She's remembering, this is why I fight. This is why I care. This is why I don't give up. 
because I'm kind of tired. It's kind of hard. And I have those same feelings of comparison or self-doubt because I'm a mortal girl having a human experience and that happens to us daily. So one of the things she does on purpose to protect herself is that, is to just not allow herself to get out of bed until she's done that. I thought that was so cool. An on purpose example of this is how I remember that the real battle is to keep the spirit. This is how I do that. And what I notice is important. This is how I do that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for being here. I want to invite you again to get registered for the Mom Power Training. It starts on August 27th. I'll see you next week at Breakfast with Karen with Kelly Webster, being a hero in our own life. All right, thanks for being here, everybody. Love you.